0: Coaches are so overwhelmed now with all the information that's available in in football. You think about all the information we have access to now through podcasts like this one, through Twitter, through websites, YouTube. You know, I can get on my computer now and I can get all 22 of any NFL game I want, any college game. And so that is great. Information is great. But coaches and myself included were overwhelmed. And so what happens is, is you basically, we have the paradox of choice is what it's called. And so that's what the military discovered is that When they went over to Iraq, they had more intelligence than they've ever had before, but they were actually operating slower than the enemy because they're so overwhelmed. And so the enemy was changing faster. So basically now we're able to prepare back and do more with less with the common language and the process of the progression platform.
1: Today's episode is from our archives, recorded five years ago, pre-pandemic, and at the start of what has been a rapid evolution of today's defenses. However, the concepts he talked about Maybe more relevant now than when Coach Maddox shared those ideas on the podcast originally. Dub is one of the great thinkers, great football minds in the game. I know I've picked up a ton from him over the years, and a trip I took to sit down and talk ball with him for a couple days in 2010 was highly productive in helping me solidify how I thought about the passing game and how we could bring our receivers and protections together with our quarterbacks' progressions to improve our passing game. In this episode, he shares insight he gained from studying the U.S. military and applying it to football. If you listened to this one five years ago, you'll want to sit down and listen again and bring a pen and a notebook. A note on the audio, when we originally recorded this, there was a lot of static in the connection, but it was just too good not to air, and it's also too good not to pull out of our archives and share again. Be sure to listen to our winning-edge takeaways and ideas for implementation following this conversation with Coach Dub Maddox. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. I am excited to be joined again by Dub Maddox, Offensive Coordinator at Jenks High School in Oklahoma. Dub, it's always great to talk ball with you.
0: Thanks, Keith. It's great to be on again.
1: Dubba, I know you're always looking at evolving the game and looking at doing new things. You've had a project in the works here that we're going to see coming up soon, maybe by the time this podcast is released, actually, it'll be out there. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to.
0: Yeah, so basically, I've been uh, writing a book uh, the last couple months here, and it's based on a lot of research that's been going the last couple years. It's a follow-up from Headset to Helmet, the R4 book that came out in 2011, but as we all know, the game changes and evolves, and, and the defenses has uh, done a great job of evolving and doing things to stop the passing game. And uh, this book was generated out of that, and it's called Adapt or Die. And it's basically advancements uh, to accelerate the R four system.
1: And with anything you do, Dub, you take a look, especially in other areas, especially in the military, and that was kind of the spark behind this one too. And looking at uh, how the military has had to adapt.
0: Yeah, so basically, just in my research in the last couple of years, I've been fascinated. I'm fanatical with decision-making under pressure, and there's no better you know, environment to find about that and how uh, to accelerate that than the military strategy. And just in my research with, with CQB, it's a closed-quarters combat battles that were taking place in, in Fallujah, Iraq, I learned that the military was kind of getting it handed to them by the insurgents that were taking, had a stronghold in, within the city walls. And the military, when they went and attacked this enemy, they were using strategies that were used back in Vietnam. And so basically they were using 40-year-old tactics to fight an enemy that was advanced and doing things differently. And so through that study, I found that basically the military found out they had to adapt or die. And basically, the, the at that point, the close Quarters battle approach was to everything was top down um you know when you enter in a city you're either going to rappel up to the top of the building and then you're going to attack a building that was taken over by um, insurgents or opposing forces with speed and force using a top-down approach and if you couldn't rappel up and you're rappelling down from a helicopter and that was kind of the the strategy that was being taught in boot camp and and things like that so when we went into fallujah Basically, we started out that way and found out that carrying, you know, 40 pounds of equipment and rappelling up a a wall was, you know, prime targets for snipers. And then then rappelling down a helicopter was, you know, primary target for anti-aircraft missiles, RPGs. And so those weren't working. So then they would try to, you know, go to an adjacent building and climb up that and then jump to to another building to take over an opposing force. And the enemy was shooting out the, the ceilings and they're basically jumping to their death. So. At that point, they had to figure out a better way to do things. And I feel like that's kind of the way in the passing game, you know, most of the passing games are structured in that old way as well. You know, everything's kind of a top-down approach, especially from the intermediate game. You know, we kind of have that alert route or that route that we peek deep at first, and then we work intermediate to shallow. And basically what has happened now is with the pattern matching and, and the split-field coverages and, and all the movements that the defenses are using now against this, it, it's kind of like what the enemy did to the U.S. military. And so basically that kind of allowed me to, to look in deeper and better ways to navigate through progressions and um, to structure concepts, and that's what the military did. So they had to find way, better ways to enter in these buildings, whether it was blowing out a hole in the wall and entering from the side, whether, you know, whether it was sometimes they had to go through a bottom-up approach, And so through all these different methods that the military developed in Iraq, we're developing those same here in the passing game.
1: And I know your book, From Headset to Helmet, really went into detail about an approach to attacking the defense and having a progression that was, you know, beyond, hey, peek at this route and then go here, really putting that in the quarterback's hands as as a way to navigate through the different passing options that he had. So with that in mind, how has this progressed from what you did in in that first book to some of the things you're doing now that you've had to evolve?
0: Well, it starts with just understanding routes. And basically in football, football is all about space, time, and talent and navigating within those constraints. So before you really determine what plays you're going to run, uh, just like the military, before you determine their strategy you're going to use to enter a building, they have to know the the limits uh, of what they're up against. And so I think that's something as coaches that – we may, you know, kind of skip or not fully understand. So we have to identify those non-negotiables first. And so we have to understand, you know, the space that we have to attack, uh, the time that we have to get there, and then, and then ha- the weapons we have at our disposal. And the weapons are our routes in the passing game. And so what we did with R4 is structured all the routes into four families, rhythm, families, read, brush, and release. By structuring routes into families, it basically allows you to understand the why behind the routes so if you are throwing essentially a rhythm route, it's more than just throwing on the last step your drop. Rhythm routes attack, you know, vertical or horizontal space at a specific moment in time. And that is a specific weapon that's used to attack a specific space. And then reroutes are the same. They have non negotiable They have DNA within them that allow them to be hit at only a specific point in time and attack a specific space. So when you understand where routes fit within families and you understand how routes can connect together, it's similar to, I'm a biology teacher, so it's similar to, to, to a DNA strand. You have, you know, four nitrogenous bases. You have your adenine, thymine, guanine, cytosine, and only certain bases can pair up with each other, and how you connect those bases together will create a DNA strand of information. Well, that's the same thing we're dealing with concepts. Once you understand how routes fit on a timeline and how, routes can connect together in a specific progression. You can essentially create different ways to progress through a concept. So you're not always having to go from vertical to shallow. You can go from low to high. You can go from left to right or right to left. Just like the military found out, we have to find different ways to enter in a building. And the traditional way was like a four-man stack. If you look at, you know, SWAT team manuals, whether it's police or SWAT team or even the military, you know, taking over room was kind of a traditional four-man stack against a wall they would throw a flashbang in the room. The first the soldier would go into the left, secure one side of the room. Second the soldier would go right. Third soldier would come in to, to the left, and they would all have a specific point in the room to secure, and then the fourth man would come through and shoot the assailant. Well, the problem was is that the Taliban was using those rules and strategies against us, and so we had to find different ways to enter in rooms, and we had to change up the ways we we'd go about through that progression. Same way here in football is that what we've done over the last three or four years we found different ways to manipulate progressions by following three key rules and the three rules that we talk about heavily in the book are the two rhythms rule and the two rhythms rule is that two rhythm routes that are adjacent or cross with each other they essentially make a read in timing so when you understand what a rhythm route is and you understand how to overlay uh, two rhythm routes together you can actually treat those as a read in the progression because they protect each other and they take a little bit longer to develop with with the cross The rhythm side rule is any rhythm or rush combination can be treated as essentially a rhythm side. So if you have like a stick concept, and that's a fade, a stick, and an arrow route, well, well, all those routes have properties that can be thrown on the last step of the drop. They they break open now. So you you can essentially rhythm an entire stick concept and then reset to the backside, and then you can go through a read or rush route progression. Those three routes are essentially capped on the drop. And then the three-man quick rule is any three-man combination of rush routes can be treated as a, a rhythm read rush progression as long as the quarterback footwork's accelerated. So you, you can essentially fit a three-man progression with a quick game concept if the quarterback knows how to manipulate his timeline with the drop. And so what that allowed us to do was fit as many routes into a space in a specific amount of time and construct concepts that can always attack the full field by following these rules. And and these are kind of the advancements in the R4 system. So now we don't have to always read high to low. And we don't always have to use it with intermediate concepts. We can use it with quick game. We can use it with blended concepts like quick game and intermediate. And then we can use it with RPOs and play
1: action as well. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com, and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Gray Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com slash demo and mention Coaching Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. Yeah, that's interesting, obviously, that you bring up the RPO, which has, has been the rage probably for the last three years. It's really... Then, you know, the only thing people were talking about, there's guys who have moved their offense almost to an entirely RPO offense. Talk us through uh, basically one of those RPO plays. And and I don't mean, you know, the pre-snap gift that some people consider RPO, but that true run with something that's attacking level two or level three.
0: Yeah, so basically with the RPO, what we tried to develop was understanding the different types of, of pass attachments. I can include with the run and so basically when you're constructing your rpos the first thing you're looking for is essentially your rhythm run it's it's the run scheme that's going to work best against the anticipated you know front recovery coverage that you're seeing and so that could change from week to week so for example some weeks it might be inside zone other weeks it might be you know one back power or a pin pull scheme so i think that's where you start when you're game planning is is you got to ask yourself you know what's my rhythm side run and that's the steam that's going to attack the most anticipated front of coverage. And then from that point, we look at RPOs kind of like an assault rifle. And assault rifles, they have multiple attachments that you can add on to increase their versatility. And that's what makes them such a valuable weapon um, in war. And so basically what you need to understand is that the pass attachments really fall into two families. You have T-screen pass attachments that you can attach to RPO, and then you can also attach true quick game past concepts to it. So basically what we've done in the book is we've broken down the five key screen families that, that most teams run with RPOs and then the five quick game families that work best with most of the uh, runs that that are used with RPO attachments. And once you understand the families of key screens and quicks and what they attack, you can now start to build basically a, a mental model progression of what to start with when you go into a game and then more importantly, what to go to next. So what we've done is we basically are able to go into a game with an RPO. It's our best run with our best either key screen or quick that we're going to use to attack the most anticipated of uh, fun or coverage. And then we've already built in the answers to go to next with the different changes that may occur in the game. Cause defenses, as you know, are getting really good at game planning for RPOs. So they understand kind of the conflict defender that you're using. To put in a bind, so now they're, they're using that conflict defender and they're taking the conflict out by making him either a run player or just a pass player and then filling that void with another defender. And so, what we have to have now is answers for those anticipated adjustments. And so, what we built um, to help us navigate through these, what we call progression platforms, and so progression platforms are basically concept frames of reference that build a mental model for you as a coach and your players to know where to go to next. So, so it essentially allows you to build four plays in one. And it's it's the old wing key theory, Keith, that you know, you have your base play, then you have your most anticipated adjustment, then you have your next, and then you have your next, right? Well what we've done is we've used the R4 language to build a progression platform that allows us to ask the right questions so we know what answers to make based on those adjustments. So for example, let's say we're going to a game and we're in a you know tight end trips formation and I'm talking a nub tight end trips formation. Yep. And we're going to see, you know, a four-man front. They're an over front, and let's say they're playing stubby, uh, cover seven. You know, Nick Saban, you know, one of his favorite trips, you know, coverages. All right? So that's, that's our base front and base coverage. So we're going to determine what our, our rhythm progression is for that RPO that week out of that formation. So we're going to decide, hey, is it inside zone this week? Is, is, it, is it going to be one back power? Is it pin pull? And then we fortify we, we that in that rhythm progression box. The next thing we're going to go to is we're going to look out there in space and we're going to determine based on that coverage what key screen or quick game attachment will best attack this coverage. And we're going to attach that play with the run, and that's our rhythm play uh, out of that formation for that week with the RPO. The next step is, though, and the most important, is to determine the read progression. That's the next box. And the read progression, each box has a question. And the read progression is the the ancillary progression used to attack the most anticipated front or coverage adjustment. And so that's the problem that we get caught up in as coaches is we can really get lost at this phase of the game planning process because we can't know with 100% certainty of everything that we're going to see in a game or where the potential issue is going to be. So we have to put a priority on what the biggest issue, whether it's a personnel mismatch or whether it's an anticipated front or coverage adjustment, and we have to attach that pass play or maybe it's a different run into that segment there so for example maybe their most anticipated adjustment is rotating and playing you know cover uh maybe it's three cloud maybe they're going to rotate to the field and so basically that would now take us to adding a different key screen or quick game attachment into that section with that run so so that would be our our read progression for that play that week on our play sheet and then the third box is the rush progression the rush progression is the best progression used to attack pressure. And so in our RPOs, the number one thing that defeats RPOs is man pressure or whether right. it's one, cover zero. So we have to have an answer for that every week. And this is very important to make sure we game plan. So this might not be a different key screen or quick. It might be just calling a pass protection now and throwing an intermediate game. Or it could be a screen. You know, But we have to have our best answer to pressure that we may either be seeing on film or that maybe they just show in the game that we weren't anticipating and then the final progression is our release progression and the release progression is our best explosive shot play that's set up off that rhythm progression so for example maybe we're throwing like a stick screen as a rhythm progression rpo and the safety starts coming down to cap the stick well our release progression is going to be the stick and go or it could be the tunnel and go it's that shot play you're trying to set up with your rhythm progression so basically what we've done is we, we call these progression platforms and we use these to game plan our run and pass concept progressions in our mind. And what it does it allows us as a staff to basically sit down and make sure we have a checks and balances system for everything we do. And it allows us to basically develop a mental model as a play caller to know where we're going to next together. And then it really what it really does is it allows us to sit in front of our players on Monday and basically tell the story of what's going to happen before it happens. And so it, it does a lot of things for us, and it's probably one of the best things that we've developed and we do to accelerate our RPOs and our pass game and our run game.
1: Coach, obviously the things we do in the office, they always seem to uh, to work out on paper or on the whiteboard. What's necessary to take you know, sitting in the film room on Monday, telling him that story of here's what's going to happen, to practicing it during the week so that when they get out there on Friday night and Coach isn't standing next to him or they don't have the luxury of being in the film room to see things and explain it, how do you get them to perform on Friday night?
0: So basically the thing that I think the platform or progression platforms do for us is it allows us not to have to feed it all to them in one setting. So for example, Monday for us is just our, our rhythm progression day. So we're just working on our rhythm progression for that specific formation. So we have, you know, our, our rhythm str- strong uh, run. We have a rhythm week run. We have a rhythm three step, rhythm five step, and so that's all we're focused on is, is rhythm day on Monday because that's when we get most of our offensive kids. So when we sit down with our players, you know, we can just say, hey, this is the core part of our offense for that day. Here's what we anticipate the defense lining up in, and here's the plays that are going to work best. Tuesday for us, we don't get our offensive players for the entire time because because it's defensive day. So. Tuesday's read progression day for us. So basically on Tuesday the kids sit down and now we're gonna talk through just the anticipated adjustments that we may see against that upcoming opponent. So it allows the kids kind of to, you know, play those scenarios out in their mind and we can talk about, you know, what to possibly expect and we can rehearse and plan those specific plays that day and allow them to communicate and make sure they understand that. And then Wednesday is gonna be rush progression day. Wednesday is all about pressure, it's about situational Um, red zone goal line. It's about third down blitzes. And so that allows us really to structure those specific scenarios that day. So we can talk about, you know, certain protections or certain key screen or quick game adjustments to our RPOs. And that allows us to really to hone in and really be specific about what we're looking for that day. And then Thursdays, obviously, everything, a conglomerate together. But by breaking things up by days, it really allows us to really kind of like zoom that telescope in and really zoom in and, and get more in detail with those specifics. And then by Thursday and Friday, they really understand where we're going next. So what we get now is our kids are come off the silent before we can even get that adjustment out. They're telling us what we need to do.
1: And you talked about that uh, shared consciousness you're trying to develop with your players. Obviously, that comes from creating this understanding. Now, in this process, Dub, and how you've progressed with this over the years, do you feel like this has allowed you to put more into the game plan? Or do you feel like you've actually pared back what you're doing and, and you're just getting more out of it on game day?
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of both. We can do more because we understand the game more and we have a language that can adapt and make adjustments faster. But it, from a play calling standpoint, it allows me to pare back because I can now do more with less. And so that's one of the things I struggle with when I talk to coaches is coaches are so overwhelmed now with all the information that's available in, in football. Uh, you think about all the information we have access to now through podcasts like this one through twitter through websites youtube you know i can get on my computer now and i can get all 22 of any nfl game i want any college game and so that is great information is great but coaches and myself included were overwhelmed and so what happens is is you basically we have the paradox of choice is what it's called and so that's what the military discovered is that when they went over to iraq they had more intelligence than they've ever had before but they were actually operating slower than the enemy because they're so overwhelmed. And so the enemy was changing faster. So basically now we're able to prepare back and do more with less through the common language and the process of the progression platform. So I can now just take one concept and I can have four different plays within that one concept because it's the same play, but it's just different tabs or tweaks. And I can navigate my quarterback different through that play so we're, it looks, it may look like a different play to the defense, but it's because the quarterback's progressing through it differently. And right. So that's the beauty of it. But you have to have a language to do that. And so in the study that I did in the last two years, one of the things that I, I got to meet some guys from the Air Force, and they kind of talked to me about the brevity language that the Air Force built to basically help their pilots communicate and combat faster. And so that's essentially what we've done with our four is we've created a language That's a brevity language, and a brevity language is a a simple word that has a lot of meaning. And so what we've done is we've really honed in on the words that we use to describe fronts, coverages, positions of defenders, plays, routes. All of that works together, and so now we can say more with less, and we can understand more with less. So, for example, uh, in the Air Force, they use, like, angel is altitude, And if you say angel five, that means that you're at at an altitude of 5,000 feet. So if I'm in the plane and I don't have to, you know, report back uh, to the flight deck, hey, I'm at 5,000 feet, I can just say angel five. Well, you say, okay, well, that's great, but what does that do? Well, it's fewer syllables. And, And there's more meaning to what that means for them other than what I'm telling you here. But from a football standpoint, for example, if we say man, You know, man means so much to us. If it's man coverage, it's more than just the defender that's manned up on a, on a, on a receiver, you know, man tells us the hip angle of that defender and based on his hip angle, we can know things, the space that he can break upon. He can only close on outside breaking space at that point, man equals more risk for us. You know, when we see man, we want to, we want to be more aggressive because the eyes of the defender are on the receiver. He can't see the release of the ball. You know, man means that, that inside breaking routes are untapped. And, and man to us means we want to put more air on the deep ball. Man means we have less time. So basically what we're doing is we associate a word and then we build all of these sticky, you know, pieces of information that, that stick to this word. And that allows us to understand so much more with less, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. So with with that example, when you're saying man, now are there things you're attaching to that to help out your quarterback to help your receivers
0: yeah so basically they understand you know when they see man there's there's all kinds of um um, things that they understand so a a man hip ankle we want to maybe check to an inside breaking route well from a receiver standpoint if i see man i you know i gotta know i gotta be more more the quarterback's gonna be more aggressive so the ball's coming out now i gotta have a, a clean release off the ball i gotta look for it now so there's all kinds of things depending on the route that's called the plays that we can do when we when we see man. But but these are trigger words that mm-hmm. prime us and allow us to accelerate our decisions and know what's getting ready to happen when we see that.
1: And I think you know what you point out here is we've really moved, can you think of how this game has progressed from where you were on, you know, your side of the ball, you memorized your assignment, you were doing, you know, your things that you were supposed to do and, and you weren't necessarily uh Thinking about what was happening happening across from you, and I, I just see it everywhere that coaches are really now more in tune with trying to make these guys uh, able to adapt on the run, able to adjust, and get out of the idea that you need to run that line, that you're some kind of robot, that you have that Andrew Coverdale calls it educated freedom, that uh, you know you know how to adjust based on all the things that can happen.
0: Yes, without a doubt, and without a common language and a sequential process. That can't be done. And so when you study the military, that's what you're going to find. You're going to find they've identified the non-negotiables. They have a common language, and they have a sequential building block process that they use to accelerate it. So when the pressure hits and the bullets are flying, you you react. You don't have to think. And so that's what we're trying to do. And I think, like you said, that's what the greatest uh, coaches do. And the days of static cover three and cover two are gone. We're not seeing that anymore. It's impossible to know with 100% certainty what's going to happen between pre-snap and post-snap. I mean, think about it. There was over 73 different coverages played in the SEC last year alone. Nick Saban has over 17 variations of cover one alone. You know, so, I mean, I, how is my quarterback going to get up there and know with 100% certainty of which one of those is? So yep. what we have to do is we have to give our players frames of reference that allow them to read the reality of what they're seeing and basically read the non-negotiables instead of just, you know, is that cover seven? Is that cover two? Is that cover, you know, 31, whatever you call it.
1: Well, Dub, I'm excited to read this book you've put together, Adapt or Die. Tell us what is in the book and give us an overview of what we're going to be able to see.
0: Well, basically what I was getting from coaches is they, you know, they wanted a manual that they could use to basically teach themselves and their players, and go deeper into routes. So what we did is, is the first half of the book it is a field manual, and it goes into all the families of routes, and it teaches you, for example, what a rhythm route is, is it run off steps or steps, uh, the different release strategies and things that you want to do to own route-side space. And then we also went into how to manipulate the quarterback, manipulate the timeline with quarterback footwork. So we go deep into the five families of quarterback under center drops and the five families of shotgun drops. And what this allows the quarterback to do is, is it basically gives him a toolbox to manipulate his footwork to basically control the timeline a little bit better with the route breaks. And we also go into the five families of release strategies for receivers. So that's kind of the first half of the book. The second half goes into the different uh, evolutions we've created uh, with concepts. So basically, we're showing you how we've advanced and evolved our four with um, different uh, pass progressions, manipulating progressions with a platform progression structure, how we apply R4 to RPOs, and how we use the R4 rules to basically create blended concepts. And what's going to happen when you understand how to fit these routes together and how to navigate your quarterback through it, you're going to be able to basically go into a game and have one play that's really four plays and so you're going to create adaptability with simplicity. And I think that's the ultimate goal for us as coaches is how can I maintain adaptability and have the answers built in now before August gets here? How can I rep those answers and how can I build a structure and a language that navigates my quarterback through it? So that's the book, Adapt Diet, Die. It comes out March 29th, and I think it's going to be a good resource for coaches.
1: Yeah, Dub, uh, I'm excited to read that. Uh, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. Here on the podcast, uh, give everybody your Twitter handle so they can reach out and interact with you on Twitter. Yeah,
0: it's at Coach Dub Maddox. So uh, hit me up on Twitter. Always uh, enjoy interacting with coaches there. And I uh, hope to get to meet some of you guys that listen to this great podcast. Thank you, Keith, for your time.
1: Here is the winning edge, our takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, Dub talked about how the wing T offense is built around creating a structure and series of answers. What he's done is taken that concept and evolved it into a platform for putting together a game plan and calling plays. He has even built in codes for his players to use to get them to different parts of those progressions on the fly. In today's world, which has overwhelmed us with information, we need to look for structures within what we do or we'll be left with a grab bag of plays and no rhyme or reason for calling them. What Dub has put together is worth studying, and it's worth going back to books by Tubby Raymond, his Delaware Wing T and Order of Football, Tiger Ellison's Run and Shoot Football, The Offense of the Future, or Homer Smith's self-published series of manuals. These old books were rich on football theory and provide insight into thought processes. Dub Maddox's book Adapter or Die, gives us a modern iteration of football theory and methods. It's not about running any of the offenses in Dub's playbook or in those old books. It's about having a theory and a strategy for all the plays you've learned and put into your playbooks so that there's a framework for how to operate that offense, which includes planning, practice, play calling, and performance on game day. Two, language is the most powerful tool you have as a teacher and coach. Used properly, it crystallizes concepts with an efficiency that communicates much with little. I always recommend putting all of your terminology up on the whiteboard and seeing the structure you have created. We did this anytime I took over an offense or moved to a new program to understand what our players were communicating with before, as well as how efficient and effective our terminology was. It begins a useful conversation about why do we call it this, how can we attach more meaning or simplify learning, is there an overlap that becomes confusing for players or us, etc.? I will link a free resource I have on CoachTube which gives you a template for taking this inventory. Once you look at all you have, I guarantee you will find a way to improve which will enhance player learning and understanding and oftentimes helps the coaches have a clear picture of the offense and its strategy as well. Three, step outside of football and learn from other industries. Dub studied the military to help him streamline what he does on offense. Now anytime I talk to Dub, there's always a point in the conversation where one of us asks, what are you reading now? We both like to read and study outside of football to help us better understand our game and evolve our thinking about it, as well as our playbook, teaching methods, management of people, etc. Yes, you should keep learning the game, but creativity and innovation can come from looking outside of the game or even athletics. Harvard Business Review did a study in which they conducted standardized interviews with participants presenting the problem of lack of safety gear compliance as it pertains to each of the fields. Essentially, they asked how roofer's safety belts, carpenter's respirator masks, and skater's knee pads could be redesigned to increase their comfort and use. They gave the participants a few minutes to suggest solutions, solution, collected the responses, and then had a panel of experts evaluate the suggestions on novelty and usefulness. Each group of those carpenters, roofers, and inline skaters was significantly better at thinking of novel solutions for the other fields than for its own. I'll put a link to that study in our show notes on coachingcoordinator.com. Whether you read it or not, the point is we need to get ideas from multiple places, not just within our profession. If we truly want to grow and develop ourselves as coaches, improve our schemes and strategies and improve our programs. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources, articles, and with our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.